Well, to be fair, I mean, Putin did compare himself to J.K. Rowling. That, yeah, that was a thing. And then J.K. had to be like, we're not the same. <laughs> that was not on my bingo cards for 2022. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a weird move. Um, and I, I don't know how to feel about it because, you know, like he wasn't right at all. Uh, no. But also, neither is J.K. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got one thing in common. Yeah, well, it, it was a strange comment to make, but um, again, it's been a strange year. Well, a sad year. It, it, things are just... A year. Who knows what's going to be happening in the next few months. Oh. I, I, like, really, I think we need a break. Just generally, we all just need a little break. <laughs> James, you've segued beautifully onto essentially that very notion of needing a break. Right. Because I had a little cry to <gasps> myself on Saturday. Oh. Um, because the last two weeks since we last recorded right. have been, I would, I would argue, amongst the worst slash most stressful of easily the last decade. Wow. So to give you the cliff notes, because otherwise the full episode will be the, uh, the details of, of uh, what's happened in the last two weeks. Right, yes. Let's start with the fact that I came back from work on Friday to find water gushing through my bathroom ceiling. Oh, no. And also in the middle of my hallway. Oh, no. And that, as I was meant to be heading through to Edinburgh to see my my brothers for the weekend. Oh, no. Emergency plumber comes out, but the ceiling is going to need totally replaced. It will, yeah. The whole, you know, I had to just leave it with buckets underneath. Uh Uh-huh. And then we're five days removed from this and we can't find the source of the water. What? Right. Yeah, it's, it's mad. So we've tested the bath, we've tested the sink, we thought it was the central heating, so upstairs turned our central heating off for two days, turned it back on. Nothing. It wasn't even raining on Friday, it was a beautiful sunny day. So all of these things, uh, and we can't pinpoint the source of the damage, but the the, the flat is in uh, is in a sorry state. There's like plasterboard and there's holes oh, no. in the ceiling, there's yeah, holes yeah, in the wall. Yeah, that's pain. There's like sacks of water oh, no. just sitting there waiting to be burst. It was awful. Oh, no, I hate those. But that was on the back of uh, when i just come back from a four-day trip to Amsterdam. Hey! But suffice to say, oh. I, on two of the evenings that I was there, f- through no choice of my own, oh. got about two and a half hours sleep. Oh! Yeah, that's, that's what uh, a one-bed apartment with only one door for the bathroom. Right. And a very, very... Very sociable host. Okay. Gets you. Oh. But uh, no, there's there's lots of details to that story, so please do ask me. But right. absolutely exhausted. And um, yeah, then catching up with a mountain of work oh. as well. That's not a good trip. So you had a bad trip and then uh. Uh, a bad return home. Hopefully, no other bad trips on your trip. Uh, no, no, um, I mean, that, no, that was uh, one of the issues which, uh, yes, we attempted to get into, but was quickly shut down. Oh. Anyway, came back, overloaded with work because of the four days I've missed, so I'm working of like course, yeah. half six till 11.30 at night to get all my stuff done. Are you doing too much? And still, Understandable. still not getting it all done. All right. To then go out to this weekend where, you know, it's meant to be the four brothers, but younger brother dislocated his shoulder, older Whoa. brother got covid And then on the Saturday night when I'm going to pick up uh, Graham from his Christmas night out, he says, oh, by the way, one of our colleagues has drunk so much alcohol that she opened the door of the taxi as it was taking us all back to Dunfermline and now she's run away. What? Can you give us a lift home? (laughs) And for the next hour, and this is like a, she's a big girl, like 6'2", 
well built right and we we track her down get her in the car and as i'm driving along in edinburgh doing 40 she opens the car door and tries to get out what this happens and then i i go i, I pull over hazards on rush around to the door attempt to to put the child lock on by which point she her leg is like sticking out of the car and she full on like pushes the car door open with all her might right. knocks me over just, and yep. runs away again oh no She's already at this point, like, hit her friend who's with her. It's like, hit the car several times already. I'm, like, pretty shaken up. Eventually figure out how to do the child lock. And after a third attempt, we finally get her in the car and uh, get back to Rosyth. But the Queensferry Crossing is closed, so it it takes twice as long to get there. We finally get there at one in the morning, drop her off. Uh At this point, she's fallen asleep in the car. There are still, like, makeup stains inside the the back seats. And, uh, yeah, and then the clocks went forward. So by the time I got back to to Graham's, it's after 2 a.m., and I have to get up in like five hours because I said to my nephew I'd meet him for breakfast in Edinburgh and I just sat at the end of the bed and I cried because it was just and all the like other family stuff and all the drama that everyone knows constant yeah that's it's just like been such a weight dealing with all of that and then it just like one thing after another boom uppercut jab to have that slap to the face that is how that's how fights go you know there was a lot of a lot of that going on so it was pretty rotten, and this week has been better because I, uh, you know, I've had less work to do. I've actually had a, like a good night's sleep for once. But you know, flat leakaging, leakaging, flat leakaging, leakaging, sure, absolutely, is still ongoing without any sort of idea of where it's coming from. That one's melting my brain. Uh, Your upstairs neighbor isn't experiencing any water damage. Nope, not at all. It's coming from there and somehow depositing itself into my hallway. Despite the fact there is no, like, pipes or plumbing or anything near to it. That's so strange. Anyway, that's been uh, what's happening here. And I've probably missed out other stuff, but um, it has been tough. When are you going to get your break, huh? So. You better you better start asking for one. you got to go to, to work and you got to say, hey, I understand that we're busy right now. <laughs> But I need some paid time off. So I, I nearly did. On this on the Sunday morning, I nearly emailed my boss to say, Hey Andrew, can you please I need a couple of days? And I didn't because I I felt a bit better. And whilst it is still a lot, I have already gone into our kind of work diary right. and just booked off some random midweeks okay. over the next month in April because right. I, I need it. I absolutely need it. I'm so far behind with like other stuff yes, and stuff that needs done in the flat and creative stuff I've been working on. I've never had the chance to finish. Yes. So yeah, this is, this is important and it's needed. And as you say, adding that to what's going on in the world, ah, it's been... Challenging. I can I can only sympathize. What about you? How's things? Um <laughs> the opposite. I've had nothing to do Yay. for like a week. Now it wasn't a planned nothing to do, so I can't really afford to do nothing, but I'll worry about that in the future. Uh, That's a future James problem. <laughs> it exact when I run out of when I run out of money, then I'll worry. Until I run out of money, it's fine. Uh but no, I can afford I can afford it technically, but not with income. Um, but that's all right. Accidentally taking a week off. Sometimes it's a good thing. And I've just lazed around of a somewhat unwell cat. Zelda is unwell again, yeah. which is always a sad thing when your little animals are upset because they don't know what's going on. But she'll be she'll be back to full health in no time. 
that's I mean, particularly when it is to do with a, a pet and someone who's you know kept you company for forever or for yes. what probably feels like forever. Yes. Well, glad, glad to hear that uh, she's on the mend. And is she is she awake? Is she meowing? I mean, she might she might turn up later in the show. Right? Well, I actually don't know where she is right now, okay. but she might start meowing by the end of the recording. She's always hungry. Fair enough. But the, the meows are more sad when she's unwell. It's 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 a, there's a big change. I'm not sure if she's acting it up a wee bit, but the meows are a lot less annoying and a lot more like heartbreaking. Uh, to be fair, when she says like she eats everything, I, I mean, last week it was so bad. In fact, here's a stat for you: I haven't <laughs> cooked a meal right? in almost a fortnight. Because last week I was so busy, I was just ordering takeaway and stuff getting delivered. I, well, it's fair, it's fair. But I, I feel terrible. I certainly have noticed I've put on a little bit of weight, so that's going to have to get reversed and stop eating Cheerios at two in the morning. Indeed, indeed. Good habits go a long way. They, they do, and it's simply about getting back into some sort of routine. Exactly. Uh, as, as it is with this show as well. But certainly this show is the hiatuses we take, you know, every, you know, every so often. It's usually because of, you know, life has been too busy. Yeah. And in this, uh, at this point, we're now at a stage where this week, on Wednesday the 30th of March 2022, right. at w- what time? Half past four? <laughs> yeah, sure. We have the time, or I have the time, to, to do this this podcast. Yeah, I know, which is great. And, and long may it continue. Especially because there's too many, too many things going on to talk about anyway, uh, so we might as well just like let a lot of them fade for a week <laughs> and then come back a week afterwards. <laughs> ignore half the things precisely exactly and we forget about those things and by the time people listen to the show some of it will be out of date anyway but welcome it's perfect everybody seesaw parade episode 281 i think is it 281 yeah it is 281 wow <laughs> sure still going i'm colin and he is jame yep thank you very much for listening this is scotland's longest running News slash entertainment slash politics Facts. slash really bad, terrible things going on in the world podcast. Yep, we've done the research. In existence. And it is your new mm-hmm. favourite podcast, Scotland's least dull podcast. Yeah, we've done the research there too. And officially less popular than Chris Rock memes. Oh, well, what isn't? My goodness, I'm tired already. There, there, I saw actually quite a few entertaining cartoons of, of yes, people dealing with the sheer volume of these, I've I've been sent at least three by different people in the last twenty four hours alone. Oh wow, you're, you're even worse off than oh. me. I've not received any directly, at least. Anyway, you can send us your own Chris Rock memes if you really want to at Seesawparade <laughs> on Twitter, as Graham McIntosh has done. Well, he didn't actually send a meme. He sent a, a really nice comment actually. Oh, so okay. he said, first of all, apologies for not being so dedicated to the the show as I once was. Working from home has lost my driving hours for two years. Which Aww. never even thought of that before, but uh, you know, Graham, I know, right? welcome back. And uh, yeah, he said, "Great passion as always in your latest podcast." But see what you think of this in relation to a comment you made. And he sent us a a, a link okay. about the mythical headline from the Press and Journal when the Titanic sank right. of "Local Man Lost at Sea." Yes, as a, a way of you know demonstrating how people only really care <laughs> yeah. about local stuff rather than global stuff. Yeah, but this article. Uh, does actually have the clippings from uh, the the days that the Titanic uh, sank or the day after, and yeah, there's there's no mention of that. There's only the Aberdeen it. people on board, and that's as, that's as close as you get. So it's the only piece of coverage which could have okay, spawned that lie. myth. You deceived us all. How dare you? To be fair, I'm pretty sure I said it was a 
mythical headline. And I think I, I think I was right. It's a good example either way because we we do see that stuff all the time. But you just got busted. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, and I actually use it on uh, on media training courses to demonstrate the fact that you know if you're speaking to the P and J, right. That's a, a different sort of coverage that you can get from that compared to, say, like BBC Radio 4. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. way I often describe it is with that mythical headline. But it is, I very much state on courses nowadays, it was a mythical headline. But it's a very important thing. It's, you know, it does, it's, so therefore, I'm kind of thinking, like, does it really demonstrate the point if I'm using a headline which was totally fictional? <laughs> if the only example I'm using is, is not real. <laughs> Do I have a valid point? <laughs> mm, yeah, you're making me question my own training now. Okay, anyway, thank you, Graham, for that link. <laughs> Very interesting. Please do go uh, check it out. I shall retweet it. Yes. But no, feel feel no pressure to be listening in every single week or even every other week. You know, there was a the grand podcast listener downturn at the start of the <laughs> pandemic as nobody was commuting anymore, and it didn't really hit us. But a few of the podcasts I were I was listening to, they were definitely like subtly hinting at it and saying not as many people are listening these days so if you are please do the patreon well again i I seriously doubt the patreon will ever come but we do appreciate each and every one of you who listen to the show whether it's every single week whether you're going back through the archives to the officially now 180 previous episodes rather than the 280 because james i have successfully privatized you've done it the first 100 episodes. Wow. I'm proud of you. If anybody would like to receive their own copy of those 100 episodes, too bad. <laughs> they are staying hidden, archived. The selling price is, is real high. Unless you have, you know, been really sneaky over the years and have your own vault. People might have, yeah. Uh, of saved episodes, which the thing, you, like, you genuinely might have because SoundCloud yeah. does let you download those episodes, so. Well, so do, yeah. so do podcast apps if you don't have them set to delete downloaded things. Of yeah. course. Your phone could be just half full of, of our recordings. Okay, well, we may get cancelled yet. But if you would like to get in touch with the show, you can do, as mentioned there, at Operate on Twitter or Operate at gmail.com. We did have another listener review uh, from Anthony, but I'm going to save it, okay. James, because otherwise we're going to have to start having three hosts on the show. And uh, <laughs> I want to spread these out because, my goodness, it is so good having more in-depth reviews than I, w- I would ever have even considered in my life. Right. But let's uh, let's spread these babies out. Okay. Uh, so next week, Anthony, we will hear one of your next reviews. But thank you very much for getting in touch. And dear listener, we will share how you can share what you've been watching uh-huh. later on. Right. But James. Don't go anywhere. It's time to talk Ukraine. Oh, okay. Okay, James, this is uh, over a month now into the conflict. And of course, this is still dominating headlines as it should. Absolutely. There's uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things to, to talk about, but let's just start with the headlines over the last few days. Let's start with the previous 24 hours. There were talks held between Russian and Ukrainian delegates in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. And initially, the Russians said, okay, talks have been held. And we will reduce attacks on various cities. Right. And everyone kind of went, uh, okay, sure. Yeah, will you? 
you. And then Ukrainian mayors, other Ukrainian figures today have come out to say, well, actually, they were continuing to attack us throughout the night. Right. And I don't believe a word of this. And so no. the Kremlin has now played down its hopes of a breakthrough. Oh, man. Uh, as a result of this. Ukraine's fault, of course. Indeed. The spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov, said there was nothing very promising said <laughs> or anything achieved. Uh, and although they did say they would pull back forces from Kiev and from Cherniv, that doesn't appear to really have happened. Well, are we sh- are we shocked that the, the country said no. they were not going to invade and then invaded have also lied about maybe attacking a bit less? No, no. I don't know what their goal is at this point, though. It is very confusing. I, I don't have a clue what they're actually aiming for. Well, there, there clearly is a lot of scepticism in the West and amongst Ukrainian officials as to whether Russia's warplanes have, uh, or warplanes, warplans even, have uh, dramatically changed. Perhaps those warplanes have changed as well. Some of them have changed. They've turned from warplanes into scrap metal. That is also true. But it's even the fact that your yeah. Russian forces in some parts of the country appear to have been regrouping and establishing, let's say, more defensive positions around Kiev. So whilst perhaps they've, they're not as gung-ho as they were, they're still there. Uh, they just moved. Yeah, they're, 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 less, they're less attacky and more just, hey, we're going to stay here for a while-y, which is not good either because they shouldn't be there. I did see a one headline yesterday that, that cracked me because it was talking about how like a Ukrainian missile was fired into Russian borders and I was like, are we supposed to be surprised? <laughs> the countries are at war. I think uh, once yeah. a country declares war on you, you're allowed to fire back. We've also seen in the last day or so, Russia have allegedly claimed, or rather they've claimed, that allegedly 16,000 Middle Eastern recruits have signed up to fight <laughs> for the Russian military. Yeah, meanwhile, they're saying that anyone who's fight, who's signing up to fight for Ukraine is doing so illegally. Uh, yeah, they were reportedly offering £5,000 a month, or the equivalent of that, for people to fight on the front line wow. for Russia. Experienced troops, I am sure, coming from yeah. regions that have been destabilised by us and Russia, granted. Again, though, and let's let's look at the bigger picture before we talk about, let's say, Joe Biden's recent comments, also okay. uh, Roman Abramovich, and then the UK's response. But over a month in, it does appear as though the way that Putin had expected this to go has not gone thus. (laughs) No, thus it has not. Thus it has not gone. And therefore, sorry, I don't know why I'm speaking like I'm in Victorian England. But (laughs) You opened your Bible by accident. (laughs) Just copied some words. Thou hath made a grave mistake. I think it's thou hast, actually. Ah, okay, anyway. So in that case, Putin has overestimated the fact that he thought people would uh, welcome the Russian soldiers, and thank them for being liberators of their cities. Now, I genuinely don't know... There's no way he believed that. Right, I I don't know if that's what he actually believed, but certainly it appeared that that was some of the expectation amongst the Russian army. It was the propaganda for the troops. Precisely. So so that may be the the difference there, the propaganda versus what was actually expected. But because the Ukrainian defences have held up better than the Russians were expecting. And I do feel that's accurate. Mm-hmm. The Russians expected it to be a walkover. Yeah. That because they have held up better and they put up more of a fight and Zelensky has proven to be, uh, certainly perceived to be, leading the way in a, in a strong manner yeah. and people are behind him, then that's where it's come to this 
stalemate and after a month you're already having peace talks and okay whilst they haven't gone anywhere that's got to be slightly encouraging james no well the encouraging thing is that it's gone like in terms of if the war is going to happen we can all be very happy that ukraine didn't just get steamrolled and have all of its people put into some weird sort of like puppet nation that's great because it means that they still will have control of their future if they can keep holding on long enough to get those peace talks and it does look like russia still do not have the capability to push as far as they need to to you know destabilize the country enough to get the advantage on any peace uh, agreement so so like there is plenty reason to be optimistic about how things have been going there's always plenty reason to be scared about the future because putin is mad He's lost it. He always has been mad. He's lost it even more than ever before. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, getting rid of anyone within his within his own team who might be not super keen about how things are going and surrounding himself with yes men instead. There's a few there's a few very big names in terms of Russian leadership missing, and that just means that Putin's got more and more control, which means that he could just do something completely stupid any minute. So, while it's good to be optimistic about things, until we've had those peace talks, or until it has happened, it's still pretty terrifying day to day. Yeah, and that leads us on to, to Joe Biden. But th- before I go any further, I was reading just there that more than a quarter of the Ukrainian population has fled. Wow. Uh, which is over four million people have uh, left, have, have gone to neighbouring countries, yeah. and more than six million have been displaced inside Ukraine yeah. themselves. No, it's the kind of change that it's going to do. It's going to be generations of effort to, to, to undo at this point already. Yeah, so so sorry, I did the math wrong. So it's the 4 million who have fled, the 6 million who are displaced. Right. That means that already over a quarter of the population have had to abandon their homes in some way because of the war. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And as, and, and as you say, James, that's now an impact that European nations and countries of the world will have to pick up for years. Like, this is this is a decades-long impact. Well, yeah, and, and the best that happens is that the aggressor has to pay reparations for that long, however long it takes to rebuild to the point that, that, that the country would have been at if it wasn't for all of this displacement and all of this aggression. So, like... Even after just a month, we're looking at stuff that is going to take lifetimes to to mend. Similarly to how there's situations that the UK have caused here and there all over the world that still aren't mended after after lifetimes have passed. Yeah. Before we get to Biden, one more point. The city of Mariupol has been oh, yeah. besieged for up to a, well, about three weeks at this point. Yeah. And Putin has said that shelling will only stop when Ukrainian troops surrender. So he made those comments mm-hmm. during a phone call with the French President Emmanuel Macron on Tuesday. And French officials, along with the Turks, with the Greeks, with uh, several humanitarian groups, have presented a plan to Mr. Putin about evacuating civilians from the city. Yeah. And apparently Mr. Putin told Mr. Macron he would think about it. Yeah, Macron and France are keen to take the lead on this specific thing. And hopefully yeah. it works out. Hopefully they manage it. I'm not, I'm not saying hopefully because I want Macron to be successful for his political, political career. I disagree with a lot of what he does. But any, if anyone wants to help some completely innocent people from a city get out of a horrible place where they're basically being shelled and starved to death, go for it. So if France can take lead and get this thing done, excellent. Okay, let's talk about Joe Biden, because okay. whilst things had seemed to be moving in that, uh, let's say, a, a, 
less aggressive direction. We then had Joe mm-hmm. Biden in a speech in Poland appear to make off-the-cuff remarks or off-the-cuff right. comments right. about Putin. Yes. And essentially calling for regime change. Mm-hmm. In a quote, he said that um, this butcher cannot remain in power. Yeah. Which had prompted hurried efforts by senior figures in the White House to essentially play down what he said yeah. and say, oh, you know, this this isn't our official line. It was just something that Joe <laughs> came up with. This obviously has caused much uh, much consternation. All it was was the president saying it. It's not that bad, really. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's only like the most powerful man <laughs> in the world saying, speaking his mind and, you know, Prompting further international outrage. I, I'm, I'm just sad they downplayed it. <laughs> they should. They should just be like, "Yep, Putin's got to go." <laughs> so, so let's talk about the fact that, yeah, first of all, he said that, but also the reaction to it because it did appear to be something he just came up with on the spot. Yes, it it was definitely not a not a, a planned sentence. He came out to say on Sunday he makes no apologies for it. I was expressing the moral outrage I felt. I had just come from being with those families. I want to be clear, I wasn't then or am I now articulating a policy change. Exactly. I make no apologies. No, so that's an important thing. I get the the, the, the reason why they're making it a distinct thing because they can't make this the stance of the United States or of NATO because it could be seen or could be wielded for propaganda reasons as a like please assassinate Putin line, which is probably a reason to be even more aggressive. Um, but I like I, I, it's a proud thing to say and it's a proud thing to stand behind and not apologize for it as a person to have an actual stance on a complete war criminal being bad, you know? I think it shouldn't really be the biggest co- co- controversial thing you can say to suggest that maybe war criminals shouldn't lead countries. What I learned was in the... Uh wake of the Cold War, which dominated the uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, there was this understanding between Russia and the US that neither mm. would call for the other to go. Mm. That it was just, ah. uh, okay, we, we were, we were going to blow each other up if you, know, if you do anything wrong, but also you've got to leave the person in charge alone. <laughs> we'll, res- we'll respect the leaders. That's definitely going to make things good eventually. <laughs> and that appears to be the... Uh, line in the sand that Biden fell over. Right. There's the offense, yeah, yeah. And I get it, but but like, come on. Like Putin he probably is thinking himself himself it's about time I retire. <laughs> well he will hold on hold on to power for as long as possible. We've seen that. Well, yeah, well, because as soon as soon as he loses it he's dead. Like Yeah. You don't retire peacefully from those kinds of positions. Let's talk about the UK's response to all this. As of three hours ago a report states that there have been 2,700 visas issued for Ukrainian refugees. Wow. That is... What an unfathomable number. Less than 10% what? of the near 30,000 applications wow. made in the first 15 days of this scheme. Well, that we make it so hard for people to apply to get in and then still let them down when they actually apply. I mean, it, it no longer surprises <laughs> me anymore that this is... 
the way it's gone. We had here Lord Harrington, the refugees minister, admitting the forms took too long to fill in and the government was trying to speed up the process, despite the fact yeah, sure, there, sure. Have been, there has been criticism of this scheme of Homes for Ukraine since it was launched, and charities have said this process is far too difficult for people fleeing for their lives. I mean, it is. It's deliberately so. The government isn't interested in actually helping um, individuals find a safe place to live. They're hoping that other countries will step up fast enough that we won't have to worry about it and we'll take as few as possible because it does cost the government money to accept refugees. But that's money we should be absolutely delighted to invest, especially since it doesn't go anywhere. It stays within the country. The the charity, the Red Cross, came out to say that the UK needs to do what other neighbouring countries have done, like Poland, who have so far taken over 2 million refugees. Wow. Yeah. And essentially just tell them, you don't need a visa and you come. Yeah, just open borders. And every country should have open borders to these kinds of situations. And like, the, Why is that so difficult? Well, it, the Tories that want to lose their votes, right? They've uh, they've tried very hard to navigate this strange position of having the right refugees and having the right immigrants because they don't want European farm workers coming here or European people to steal our jobs and they definitely don't want poor countries to be sending their people here. But how about some Hong Kong students? Yeah. Or like, how about some scientists from America? And it's just like they've got this very weird presentation that they have to keep up for their for their um, voters that they are taking in only the correct people. And if who knows what the voters think about Ukrainian refugees, we haven't had enough of them to find out yet. It's going to take like five years if we, before we find out if the conservative voter base likes them or not. So it's just a risk they're not willing to take and it's an investment they're not willing to make. So they're making it difficult and they're going to keep it difficult, even though hundreds of thousands of homes have signed up to say we've yep. got space for people who are in need. So in this, uh, according to Lord Harrington, who was speaking to a government committee here, he said that it took him over an hour to fill out this form himself and he'd been sitting in the comfort of his own home on a tablet and that people were completing these forms on mobile phones whilst they were displaced. And if they don't have that, then they have to go to a, a centre to be processed. Yeah. And this is still leaving people who are eventually getting into the UK and then having to register as homeless because of the disjointed way <sighs> that everything is working for people coming into this country. And it's so frustrating reading that. Yeah, but it's what happens when you, when you have a party in power that spent more than a decade trying to make immigration really hard and trying to make refugee programs more and more closed it's hard to it's hard to make it easy again uh, with those same people and it's terrible because it should be a simple thing of if you can make it here you're in like we've got we got tons of people opening up their homes and the only people who are getting like to actually help are if you've got a contact with someone in ukraine yeah like how, how common is that well, precisely. Yeah, that, that, that's what they've said. Is basically, if you don't know anyone, then just just contact a, a group who are somehow involved, yeah. and they'll and they'll sort something. And it's just putting the burden on charities and on individuals yeah. to solve a problem that the government has caused, and the government isn't helping solve. And frankly, I don't feel like that's going to change. I know the uh, Boris Johnson today no, has come no. out to say, no, we will speed up this process and I'm sure the backlog will be gone quite quickly. But based on the fact that this has been going for over a month, 
I don't believe a word of that. No, it's it's a top quality Boris Johnson promise. It is. We've seen how those work out for decades now. Okay, uh, let's talk as well about the allegations that Roman Abramovich, the uh, former Chelsea owner or soon-to-be former Chelsea owner, as well as some Ukrainian peace negotiators were poisoned or reportedly victims of poisoning uh, after talks earlier in the month. Uh, This was the news that, including uh, red, red eyes, constant and painful tearing, peeling skin on hands and faces, uh, Mr. Abramovich and three other men yeah. had suffered these sorts of symptoms after a meeting in Ukraine on March 3rd, and mm-hmm. that Mr. Abramovich had lost his sight for several hours. This, James, uh, again, uh, it's all allegations at this point, but... Well, yeah, I mean, you can put the pieces together, right? It's not a difficult puzzle. It, it is concerning. I, I mean, he, he's an oligarch and a, a billionaire who, who made his money essentially cashing in on the collapse of the Soviet Union. Yeah. But at the same time, of course it's not going to be past other people within the Russian regime to poison one of their own. Well, yeah, especially if that one of their own is going against the line and trying to get involved in peace talks, which, you know, we've we've yeah, praised yeah. certain oligarchs for doing. They're trying, but that doesn't mean that we forgive them for profiting off everyone's poverty for, de- for decades before. It just means that, hey... Even some of the slightly less bad bad guys are now so not bad that they're getting poisoned <laughs> by their own people. Yeah, uh, there, there there has been less talk of sanctions recently. I'm unsure. Indeed, yeah. Why? Perhaps because they're they're beginning to run out of things to do. But I, I mean, it must be having an impact in some way, right? No, yeah, we've had some very very rich Russians say that they've lost the vast majority of their wealth already, that they've lost everything um, or that it's all been seized. And they're trying to get sympathy, I guess, by telling us, but, you know, like, good, they they they, they deserve to lose it all. So, so, so well, well done sanctions. And I guess one other reason we're not seeing so much chat about it in the UK is because even still, our government and our leaders are very much still tied to Russian money. So they have to be very careful who they sanction, just in case it's like, well, we accidentally sanctioned someone who was like giving us money, and now they've got the, they got the, they got the gun pointed at us. Um, so, so because of that, I guess there's people in, in interested places who are just not really yelling about sanctions too much at this point, because maybe we've reached the maximum amount they can do without targeting their their friends. So, looking at the the bigger picture before we we move on. I know this is impossible to say, but where are we at in terms of this this conflict? Because to me, we're already, you know, even with the UK and people coming into the country with visas, yeah. eventually people will be able to come in, you'd like to think, in a slightly easier way. Yeah. And the war will continue and people will continue to, to be displaced and the UK will have some sort of system for making that easier. Yeah. But however long this goes on for is impossible to say because... It is based on the whims of Madman, yeah. And as you say, he is—he has got an array of yeah. options at his disposal, and that's the concerning part. Yeah, and, and because he's got a decreasing pool of of naysayers uh, around him, he's go- he's just c- using the more violent options more and more often. Um, so in the last couple of weeks, we've we've seen a de- development of war crimes from targeting. 
uh, food banks and civilians all the way up to accusations that they're using white phosphorus. Um, yep. The US has said officially that, that, that there are war crimes going on. So they are escalating on the, on the evil scale as things progress. So they aren't just now taking up the positions that they've got and being defensive. They are still just trying to whittle down everyone's uh, willpower so that the whole country will give up. And that's by holding cities hostage or it's by burning them down with illegal weapons, stuff like that. So I'd expect that they're going to keep doing that. There's no reason to think that Russia are just going to stop trying to escalate until they win because they're currently led by a bunch of people who just want to say what Putin wants and what Putin wants is victory. Um, and they are they are ramping up the propaganda every every day to try and get more and more support in their country. They are shutting down protests harder and harder, so it's not looking good. So it is going to be a long thing. This isn't resolving anytime soon. So we do need to have all the support networks in place globally for everyone who's being displaced, um, and we need to be prepared to to defend them all as well. But the stories coming out are crazy, just how unprepared the Russian soldiers were, how little they know of what they were getting into, how little they know of the places they were going to, which you'd expect them to know. Like, hey, we're going to a nuclear a, a, a nuclear power plant. Let's not explode it. Um, but they just didn't know any of this stuff. And we find out more and more about it. Who knows where it's going to go? Because the, the, the troops in general clearly have no idea. The other slightly positive propaganda news we've received recently is that the 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 Russian warship go f- yourself soldier oh yeah or ter- or defense guy he's 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 been awarded a medal he's he's back oh yeah they had a little medal ceremony for him um and so that was that, that was all over the headlines so James there's been one other news story which has dominated the news agenda in the last few days. Yeah, a definitely equally impactful event. Oh, of course, and this is yeah, the slap yeah. heard round the world. Will Smith <laughs> smacking Jeez. Chris Rock in the face just... at the Oscars on Sunday night. It's embarrassing. After Chris Rock made a joke about his wife Jada Pinkett Smith. So and her bald head. And her bald head. If you're yet to see it, it is worth uh, seeing so you can see how it played out because I'm fascinated about a couple of things. But to, to give you a, a recap, right. Chris Rock makes a joke about uh, G.I. Jane, which was a, a 90s film with Demi Moore, who had a shaved a head. Pretty badass character right. with a shaved head, yeah. And he made this joke about seeing uh, Jada Pinkett Smith in the sequel. Yeah. Now, Jada Pinkett Smith has a bald head because she has alopecia. Right. Uh skin or hair condition that basically causes the hair to fall out so she just goes with a shaved head. Yeah. So it was, you know, it's it was mean. And then what I saw was in the clip, and I rewatched this, Will Smith is laughing. Mm, he is laughing. When the joke is, is officially made, is first made. Yeah. And then, but you can see that Jada is is not impressed not at pleased, all. yeah. Rolling yeah. the eyes and kind of like, oh gosh, look at the floor. And within just a few seconds of that, you hear the crowd go, oh, because Will Smith gets up and then Chris Rock is like, oh, here he comes, here he comes. And then full on smack in the face. The legit full attempt at a hard smack. And uh, Chris Rock reacts to that. And then Will Smith shouts twice, uh, keep your wife's name out your 
flipping mouth. My, my wife's, my wife's. Or, or yes, my wife. It would be weird if it was he was telling him to stop talking about his own wife. Yes. So yes, keep my wife's name out of your uh, flipping mouth. And that was then <laughs> reacted to by Chris Rock, who said it was a GI Jane joke. Yeah. Followed by this sort of oh, haha! That was the greatest night in the. Uh, in TV history. But yeah, he seemed to consider his position whether he should just go in harder and like mock them a little bit more or pull back. And he kind of handled it like a showman and was clearly a little stunned. Oh, for sure. Over words and stuff, but like well handled in that moment from a guy who just got slapped for saying what well, wasn't really a funny joke, no. but also didn't deserve a slap. Right. Um, so. So this is the the, the the topic or the the subject at hand, which is, right. first of all, what he said, followed by the reaction. And ultimately, as Will Smith has, himself has since apologized to everybody, including <laughs> Mr. Rock, about uh, what happened. <laughs> yeah. We're yet to hear anything yeah. from Chris Rock, although I read yesterday his uh, tickets for his comedy show have, have gone through the roof. Right. Because, of course, you're going to get some sort of commentary on that. So, yes, that I can imagine would be a, an interesting set to witness. But ultimately, it was a, a joke which was done perhaps in poor taste. I don't think it was the most offensive thing yeah, I've ever no, heard. It, it was poor taste, but it wasn't exactly. It wasn't. I wouldn't even say it was offensive. Right. I would say it was in poor taste. There's a slight difference because he wasn't punching down. He wasn't like mocking anyone, uh-huh. anyone's baldness, no matter what the cause is, because baldness can be cool. And G.I. Jane makes baldness cool. So you're like, hey, your baldness reminds me of yep. this cool bald character. It's not really mocking. But it was in poor taste. Okay. Yeah, that's because I saw a couple of people, one of whom I know who has alopecia, who who did feel the joke was, you know, upsetting for that for that person. Yeah, like and it is. Like that's understandable, but it's However, there's like there's the levels to it, yeah. Right. And that then leads to Will Smith getting up and really clocking him across the face. Which I can only assume, and this is the big assumption here. He laughed. He saw his wife not laughing. He felt the shame of laughing. Yes. And then he decided, I need to vent that shame in a very unhealthy way. It's a very toxic masculinity move. Yes. Just saying. So to me, of course, this is where we're we're perched upon our high horses. It's very easy to say. But ultimately, if someone makes a joke that you don't like, do you get up and slap that person in the face? No. You don't. No. And whilst he was saying in his acceptance speech, because he then went on to win the Oscar for, for Best Actor. <laughs> which, which, by the way, she did not deserve the win. Well, the thing, did you see Did you see King Richard? I haven't seen King Richard, but I've seen enough okay. to see the acting that was taking place. No, I w- I'm okay with that. I thought he was very good. However, it, okay. based on what was what was done earlier with the slap... It did kind of suck the air out of the room. And then when he's giving his speech, he talks about, yes, Richard Williams was a fierce defender of his family, as if to say, yes, I was defending (laughs) my family from a joke. Like, I feel like you don't win at that point. I feel like if you slap anyone at an awards event, you immediately lose whatever awards you won and they need to give it to the runner up. I don't I don't know how how that happened. I don't know how he he was allowed to go back to his seat. I don't know how he, how he was allowed, how he was allowed, he was not evicted from the awards show. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they all just thought it was a bit between the two of them that they planned, and they were just stunned. 
Um, I'm surprised they aren't rescinding the award yep. uh, afterwards. I presume what it is is that because, you know, look, if you did this anywhere else, if it was a comedy show and someone made a joke about your partner and you stood up and smacked them in the face, you get marched out of there. And people, yeah. you know, it wouldn't just be like, okay, yeah, fine. That was funny. Go back to your seat. You know, you would you would be <laughs> yeah. forced to leave. You can't just go up and smack other people in the face because they said something. Yeah. Unless they're Nazi. Well, Nazis are rarely joking. They're, they're uh they're trying to express their true opinions with a cover of slight humour. It's not a joke. It's offensive and it deserves a punch. Right, precisely. And that, and that's why, you know, when it is that, that kind of harmful rhetoric versus something that was said as a lighthearted remark, which, okay, in poor taste, yeah, not very funny, yeah, but the reaction is is the one that people have now jumped on. So we've had the Academy who have said they're investigating. We've had someone else. <laughs> investigating? I don't know what there is to investigate. Just watch it a few times, write some notes, done. <laughs> Slow motion, just a couple of times, make sure there was contact. Yeah, so in his speech, yeah, he's he's compared himself to Richard Williams and then looking into this some more, he talked about in his own autobiography, he was in a home where his father was very violent to his mother. Yeah. And he basically has, has, has vowed he would never be like like his father and felt like he... He never stood up for his his mum when he perhaps should have. So that to me was some sort of uh, justification for for this in his own mind. Oh, it's an ex- it's it's an excuse. It's a, if it's a in those. I don't even want to say excuse. It's a reason. Okay. These things don't happen very often from a healthy functioning mind. He's struggling with something that made him lash out in an unacceptable way. And while I can empathize and hope that those struggles are worked through, it doesn't make it okay and it doesn't excuse the 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 harm. And it, maybe it's just a slap and it's not the biggest thing and there's no no one's pressing charges. But like the, 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 this only shows more than ever as much as we've known for a long time that Smith is struggling with some stuff yep. and he needs to work on it in a much better way than he is. And I don't want to go down the line that lots of people are doing this toxic line that like Jada sent him up there or that she's so controlling that he was scared for his life and it's all her fault. That's all a bunch of trash. She just didn't laugh. She just looked disapprovingly. There's no reason to assume more than that. However, when someone slaps someone else for very little reason, you can make assumptions that they have more things to deal with than an inability to take jokes. Yeah, well, it's an inability to deal with whatever is going on under the surface. That was my my reading into it. Because if that's your instant reaction, or rather the reaction after a few seconds of, you know, as you said, laugh, realize your partner's not laughing, feel bad for laughing, feeling like you have to act, and then impulsively doing that. Uh, yeah. So yeah. like I can see as well why it's the biggest story of the event. It's 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 gonna be the biggest story of the Oscars for a long time. Yeah. I don't think it's quite as comedic as a lot of people are making it out to be. It's kind of just sad. And it is a reflection on um just the the way that we treat celebrities and the way that they are above us in so many ways. And that maybe that's just sad in general. It's a sad situation and it paints a sad picture of the hierarchy of human beings on this planet. Yep. It's not funny. No, I, I agree with that. Uh, but also what I found was sad, and this is very much first world problems, is that the actual winners were totally overshadowed. So the fact that yeah, yeah, yeah. the best picture winner was Coda, film I talked about uh, a few weeks ago, children of deaf adults. Yeah. That one best picture over the presumed uh, would-be winner, The Power of the Dog, 
We had Jessica Chastain win for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. That is on Disney+, Plus, which I'm planning to check out. And you then had, uh, as right. mentioned, Will Smith for King Richard. We had June, or Dune, winning the most awards of the night. It won six, but most of those were... All technical. Technical awards. We had uh, Ariana DeBose. It was, it was the, the record for the most technical awards or the most awards without getting nominated for Best Director, which... I will point out, I was immediately yep. upset that there was no Best Director nomination because it was the most important feature of that film. Oh, absolutely. I'm still upset. Okay, well, maybe he'll get it for the sequel. Best Supporting Actress, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, also on Disney+. And then we had uh, Troy Kotzer for Coda, who is a deaf actor. I believe he may only be the second to win an Oscar for, for oh, Best yeah, Supporting. Yeah. Best director was Jane Campion, as expected for Power of the Dog. And then we had uh, Kenneth Branagh, or sorry, Sir Kenneth Branagh, winning Best Original Screenplay for Belfast. That was that was yeah. most of the big winners um, of the evening. But as you talked about there, they were all kind of forgotten because the incident with the slap yeah, I mean, just yeah. took everything, all yeah. the focus off of that. And on to that. And I think you're right. Initially, it was played off as a joke and like, ha ha, I can't imagine oh, how shocking that was. But now it has somewhat morphed into a more serious conversation. Is that fair to say? No, absolutely. Because like it is a reflection on a whole lot of stuff. We've already talked about a couple of them, but like even things like masculinity and how men yeah. express their emotions and feelings. And men are emotional. Like it's, it's a, this, there's this big lie going on that men don't feel emotions and men suppress their emotions and stuff like that. Yep. People just don't think about anger as an emotion. Uh huh. Men are way too angry all the time. And it's because they're not allowed to express any of their other emotions. The only outlet that they're acceptably allowed to do is anger, which is an emotion, <laughs> which we saw on stage again. And all the other award winners and all the other news is forgotten. I do think it would have been a bit of a bland Oscars anyway. I wouldn't say it was one of the most yeah. exciting sets of films but, you know, pandemic seasons are going to do that. So it's not like this is the only reason everything was forgettable. Most of the film is not going to be talked about forever no. anyway. The one thing, just when you're talking about emotion, I know I went over this earlier, but even when I had that little cry at two in the morning on Saturday, the next morning, I one of the first things I did was apologize. I was like, Graham, I'm really sorry. I, I shouldn't have got so upset. And he was like, don't be silly. No, no. It was yeah, good. It was ridiculous. healthy. You clearly needed that yeah. outpouring. And, you know, it was good to see that vulnerability, the fact that you were upset. You know, it's fine. No, and, and, and like far healthier to have the cry than to bottle that yep. up and then lash out later on at someone or something, whether it be verbally or... Absolutely. Okay, well, let's move on. Let's talk about what we've been watching this week. James, as you can imagine, because life yep. has been so busy... I haven't watched anything, okay. but I do have a finished TV series that myself and Graham are working our way through, Breaking Bad. We have finished, uh, as of oh, Sunday night, we finished nice. season three, okay. so I can chat about that. Anything that you have well, finished? Nothing I prepared for. <laughs> and I, I feel like the, the things I have finished, I want to actually prepare for to talk about, but I did finish some meaningless stuff as well. I watched four alien films or something like four? that. Four? Well, as yeah. in like Alien 1, Alien 2, Alien 3, Alien, Alien 4? Alien 3, whatever one of the other ones is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. The decreasingly, the decreasing quality of Alien films. I watched a fair few of those. It was because I hadn't seen the first one in a while and I really wanted to see the first, the first one, one again. The first one is very good. Because it's really good and it stands up and 
uh, like even though it's got like kind of bad creature work and even though it's got some weaknesses it really is a very good film to watch and the atmosphere is just so perfectly done yep and i really enjoy watching that one and then i really enjoy watching aliens as well the second film uh-huh. because it, that's the proof of concept that that shows and this is ages ago when the film was made that the sequel doesn't always have to be exactly like the original to work they just made the scary suspenseful horror into action film and pretty good action film Mm -hmm. uh, generally well paced and well shot and well thought through action film and i love that i want more studios to feel the freedom of like going well this was the feeling of the of the original film let's make the second film same setting same actor uh same general this and that same look but different feel yeah and i loved it and then the third one came along and it was like back to the first one again a wee bit and it didn't really work so well it has its moments i do still enjoy it as a film um there's a few actors in there that are secretly like favorites of mine from that era, so it was nice seeing them again. And then the fourth film is completely trash as well. They just they just tried to redo the first film in a lot uh, of ways, no. so they they didn't learn their lesson. Okay, they didn't con- continue the evolution of trying new things. And I want the trying new things. I need that in films. I need it in games. I need game studios to not make the same game all the time. Try and make a new thing, but it doesn't work out so easily. But that's the first two films of the Aliens. Wonderful. Good. Well, I know the first one is very good. I enjoy that one a lot. So, absolutely. Yeah. They did increasingly use CGI as time went on, and that was a big weakness. Never a good idea. CGI overrated. Fair enough. Well, dear listener, if you have a review of something you've seen, if you've watched a TV show or a movie or a book or you had a tasty meal or a play yeah. or something, send it to us. Seesawparade at gmail.com. If you saw some CGI you liked. Audio form, written form, audio preferred, but up to you. Yeah, I don't actually hate computer computer imaging. It's, you know, it's it's cool, but just you do it well, please. Indeed. Okay, well, just to give you a brief uh, recap, Breaking Bad Season 3 is, I would say, the, the second strongest season of the show. It's very difficult to pick because oh. it is most entertaining. And it's also the fact that you've you've introduced new characters that you care about, like the character of Mike, who despite oh, Mike. the fact that he is yeah, a morally ambiguous character and he's, his yeah, ethics gray, yeah. Set, his ethics certainly in the, the grayer zone. Pretty bad guy. He is someone who you really do like. And when we do get to the end of the, the story of Mike, yeah. it is a sad moment. So little things, little touches like that as well as the ongoing evolution of Walter White's character and his relationship. Yeah. Uh, the way he manipulates Sky or Skylar, I should say. That is mm-hmm. uh, also fascinating and really well-written. It's a fen- phenomenally well-written show, not just the the action and the set pieces and the, the dialogue. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the way in which these characters grow and change, and it's believable. It's not just, oh, suddenly this guy's gone... To be a hardened criminal or this woman yeah. is suddenly happy laundering money through a car wash. You know, they, they get them to these these stages progressively and done in real time. And, and yeah, it's it, really impressive. They had a very grounded way of writing and filming things. And it's, it's, it's again, it's something other, other TV shows need to learn from. And also when I was uh, seeing my brothers and sister-in-law and nephew on Saturday, we watched Free Guy. You brought meth? Again. Oh, sorry. And... 
It's uh, I, oh, I reminded myself how much I do enjoy that movie. It is a lot of fun. It's a good, yeah, it's good. I don't think I'll ever watch it again, but it is it is a fun film. Yeah, it was one that I think most of them hadn't seen before, and it was okay. What can we stick on that is fairly uh, inoffensive? And you know, it works. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's nicely done. Yeah. Although one one bit of wait, no, go go go. Although Mike had to ask, he was like, "Oh, who who is the weird?" Uh, guy who owns the whole, you know, the whole games franchise, and I was <laughs> aghast as I said, "You mean Taika Waititi?" <laughs> yeah, only like the most recognizable, phenomenal director actor possible. Yeah, he's he's so recognizable. I love uh. that. That's, but you, you, people learn these things, and it's a fun moment. Uh, one bit of trivia. Sorry to jump back onto Breaking Bad. Oh, and this might be a lie. I'm actually going to double check it after the show. Probably, I'm pretty okay. sure Mike as a character was supposed to be a throwaway. He was a stand-in character because an actor couldn't make it really? for a day, and then the stand-in character went so well that it became a full-time gig. It's uh, it's Interesting. at least one of the side characters in the show. That's who. That's how they got the the job. It, I think it's Mike. It could be someone else. Well, I know the the the, the best fact of that show is the fact that Jesse's well, the character of Jesse was meant to be killed off at the end of season one as the season one finale. Yeah, but it was going so well that they were like, all right. Just, just kill like a random guy. Actually, he's he's really good. Yeah, and instead, that's what they did, and that's why season one ends kind of strangely, because it wasn't meant to end like that. <laughs> they had to kind of like tone it down a wee bit to make the other seasons better. Absolutely. Okay, well, James. Well, that's uh, that's all. Sounds great, and I will come back with some actual reviews that's, next week. That's the stuff we've seen and done. Okay, let's talk other news, shall we? Oh, please. Okay, well, I'll meet that joy with uh, this news, the fact that 20 fines or 20 (laughs) fixed penalty notices have now been issued into the, uh, well, two people who attended the illegal Downing Street parties, those that broke COVID rules. The Met Police have not said (gasps) who was fined or which events the penalty notices related to. Pretty sure we should know that. Um, I think we need to know that. But Downing Street had previously said that it would confirm if the Prime Minister was one of those facing a fine and so far haven't said anything. Uh But I don't believe that for a second. (laughs) So they have, uh, these people have 28 days to to pay said fine. And at uh, Prime Minister's questions today, Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer said that Boris Johnson must resign as Prime Minister over, and I quote here, widespread criminality in Downing Street during (laughs) lockdown. It's the actual, it's what happened. It's true. He oversaw all of that stuff. He was, even if you can't find him, which he's very findable. I don't know what the police are doing. Um, He is findable. He was in charge of the whole thing. He was there. He's in control. It's his people. He, of course, he has to resign if he can't even lead his own people to obey the law. (laughs) So in in response to this, well, Sir Keir, first of all, reminded Mr. Johnson that uh, he had misled MPs by previously saying in the Commons that no rules had been broken, Yeah, which they absolutely were. he's wrong now. He is illegally, no, he's legally (laughs) incorrect. That's true. there we go. And in response, uh, Mr. Johnson said that we are getting on with our job and that the police must be allowed to get on with their investigations and that he would not be providing a running commentary to uh, to the police matters. Oh, man. It, you know, it's good to see this getting re- revisited because Boris and all his pals have, have just been relying on the situation in Ukraine to overshadow 
all domestic news and it's not working. You know, it is nice to know some of these things are going to break through their little charade that they actually are trying to help Ukraine. Okay, j- just on the back of this then, because this, uh, I would say a week ago, Sir Kier said that uh, Boris should stay because of the total focus he has on the on the war. And this is what Boris brought up as a retort. He said, uh, hang on a minute, we do at least expect some consistency. It was only a week or so ago you were saying, I shouldn't resign, what's your position? But this is uh, a two two different matters, say Labour, that Sir Kira is saying he should resign over the broken rules, but um, when it comes to Ukraine, he should stay. This is the one weird thing about Labour right now. It, it, all the questions they're getting asked are really simple, and they never have the answers prepared. Yep. Like, hey, you said he shouldn't resign, now you're saying he should. The answer is like, well, yeah, we mean like once the Ukraine's resolved, <laughs> you should clearly resign for this. Easy answer. Yeah. They get they get asked about like their opinions on uh, uh, trans people and biology, and they've just got no answer. They've had a decade to prepare this answer, and they still have no good answer. Uh, meanwhile, a Tory MP has come out as trans, the first the first uh, trans MP. Yeah. Um, Jamie Wallace, which I'm sure will be very well utilised by conservative propaganda to to somehow paint them as the trans friendly party, even though they're the ones making everything uh. super difficult for everyone. So so Labour just have all these really simple questions, like, hey, do all men have a penis? Labour can be like, well. No, simple answer. <laughs> they just don't do it. They're like, hey, well, we'll, we'll come back to you with an answer within a couple of weeks, I guess. <laughs> so when it comes to Sir Keir Starmer calling for Boris to go today, I mean, d- does that change anything? Does that heap any more pressure on him? Because by the sounds of things, the polls have kind of returned to, uh, sorry, opinion polls, I should say, have returned to where they were yeah. when it comes to, to Boris and his popularity. Well, Boris is back to baseline Boris popularity. Sunak is tanking in popularity as he keeps fumbling every single decision he's making and more costs are shoved onto the British populace. It's funny. Um, I, 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 I don't think anything that Keir says about whether or not Boris should resign is actually going to make a difference. It's just funny watching them go at it at this point. Um, hopefully, as more comes out from the police investigations, more pressure will be on the party to resolve things. Hopefully the polls never quite return to a conservative win, so they actually have to try hard. Yeah. Um, and this, 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 what's happened with um, conservatives having a trans MP now does make things very difficult for them because they've been setting up the trans debate to be the big gotcha for the next election. It was very obvious that they were doing that, and now they don't have an easy answer either because they can't really keep just laughing about it and saying. Uh, saying jokes about trans people and like brushing it aside because one of their MPs, I mean, they probably actually are just still going to keep doing that and the MP will just do nothing. But neither party has the easy in now for that debate. So th- th- so, so they're, the, the polls matter more than ever because there's, there's not the easy gotchas and there's not, the, there's not the, the, the safe leader to rally behind for the Conservatives and Labour just never say anything smart. So... I don't know where we're going with it, but 
opinion polls back to normal doesn't necessarily mean conservatives easy win. Okay, let's move on. Let's uh, sticking somewhat with the UK government. The Prime Minister a few days ago backed calls for the boss of P&O Ferries to quit after 800 staff were fired without any notice. So this was uh, Peter Hebblethwaite who appeared in front of uh, a UK government committee in which he admitted that they broke the law oh, wow. by not consulting workers, but said he would do it again if he had to. <laughs> if he had to? What? Does that, uh, what does that even mean? He didn't have to. <laughs> so this was uh, basically he was saying that by law, they have to consult unions before they yeah. sack anyone. <laughs> they fire everyone, yeah. But he said, you know, even if they had, the unions would never have stood for his plan. Yeah. So what was the point? <laughs> the point was not breaking the law and then not doing evil thing. <laughs> So 800 staff sacked, and basically the reason that they gave was, we're losing loads of money because we pay you too much, so we are bringing in a bunch of agency workers from overseas who we only have to pay £5.15 an hour yeah. by. Yeah, and, and they didn't reflect on like how much the wages of the upper management is, or how much the bonuses per year are costing them, which is probably astronomically, astronomically higher than the wages of the people they're employing. It's it's always this way with these companies. It's, they, 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 it's the same as it's the same as we see with conservatives and leadership. They want to have everything be the fault of the people who are at the bottom of the barrel. So they just fired them and got people who are even further down the barrel to blame next time. We've had uh, yeah. So the the transport secretary Grant Shapps, who started these calls for uh, Peter Hebblethwaite to go, he called his actions outrageous. He said the government would force the company to U-turn. Yeah. They then came out to say that they would force every ferry company to pay the UK minimum wage if they are entering British waters. But that today has then been uh, mm-hmm. criticised by ports across the UK All right. saying that the new pay plans for the ferry industry would be unworkable. Mm. Now, the trade body said that the UK's main, main ferry ports were not the correct bodies to enforce said pay rules I mean, yeah. and said that they were rushing to find a solution Yeah, uh, even though this is a, a complex and a I mean, yeah, like, difficult uh, situation. That's 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 fair. Conservatives do generally just rush to find this, this, this solution that offloads the work to someone else as soon as possible so they wanted to offload some work yep. to the port which makes sense. I think it also makes sense to have an infrastructure that pays everyone the living wage of our country. What we consider to be what someone's time is worth should probably be what their time is worth when they are working for us. So, like, yeah, the government, they're saying a couple of right things. Their solutions are never going to be good, though. They always do this. Okay, and let's uh, talk about Scotland because, as of today, the... Rules on mandatory face coverings are to stay in place yes. for at least another three weeks. Yes. So the First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, in an announcement today said the legal requirement for masks in shops and on public transport, uh, which had been expected to be lifted next week, will now only take effect on April 18th. Yeah. And she said this was due to the fact that there is still a very high level of infection in Scotland and because masks provide extra protection. I mean, it's like the second highest we've had ever. So, yeah. Well, yeah, case numbers have hit record levels in Scotland in the last few weeks. One in 11 people were estimated to have had the virus in the week up to 20th of March. And yeah, I mean, from the people I know who have it and have had it in recent weeks, that that would make sense. Daily figures are still... 
around 12,000 cases. They've fallen about 10% over the last few days. Uh, so she, uh, Ms Sturgeon, said there were grounds for optimism that this latest wave of infection may have peaked. But we had at least four health boards in Scotland last week, including the biggest one, Greater Glasgow and Clyde, yeah. saying they were at capacity and exactly. telling people not to come to A&E. So yeah, that to at, me... At that point, it is time to worry. That to me is enough for the government to say, look, if it means you have to wear a mask in a shop and on a bus, yeah. that's that's fine. I can deal with that. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're still doing the bare minimum. Well done, the government. Yeah. Proud of you. But, but again, again, though, they are, they are hamstrung by the fact that they can't do any more, frankly, yeah. because people wouldn't stand for it. Well, yeah, when you've got other similar countries or even England uh, having very, very little rules to no rules, there's, there's not a big chance that even if we have rules in place, people are going to abide by them. And the people who are going to abide by them probably already are just of their own accord, like me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like they're right. There's hope that this is like the peak again for like the fifth time or whatever. And that maybe the next peak won't be for a while until like the winter season, I guess. Um, but really, still not looking good. Still scary in general. My parents are coming to visit next weekend. Oh, really? I'm just going to ask them to stay indoors. <laughs> well, and will they? I don't know. You should probably tell them before they come, because otherwise they might be like, well, well, no, we wanted to go to the theatre. I don't think they want to go to the theatre, but they might want to visit other siblings. Right. Uh, and what, you're going to tell them they can't? I'm going to I'm going to tell them if you do, I'm staying in my room the next day. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Which is fine. I'm happy to do that. Yep. If it means you have to you cut down on your human interactions. Yeah. Grand. It's easy. Okay. Well, James, I feel we're at the end of the show. Or rather, I don't feel it. We are at the end of the show. <laughs> I mean, you're right then. You feel it and you're correct. Okay, well, thank you very much for for listening uh, to what is the end of Seesaw Parade. Back again. <laughs> this is it. The podcast is over. It is. I can confirm we are at the finale of this episode of the podcast. Oh, but please oh, do. I, I thought you were dropping the bomb. <laughs> please do. Get in touch. No, we're yet to get to that day, James. Yet. Seesawparade at gmail.com <laughs> or Seesawparade on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening. And James, thank you for your time, for your insight, for your analysis, no, expertise, you. experience, all very valuable. <laughs> wow, expertise and what? And <laughs> talking into a microphone and sending me the audio. Hey, yeah, I've got several hours of that. I am an expert. Yeah, exactly. Okay. 10,000 hours to do something really good? Well, we must be close to that. <laughs> yeah. I'm an expert in my own opinions. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Right. We'll see you next time. <laughs> now you take care. Try try to take some days to yourself. I will. At least a few hours. And that goes out to all of you. Nobody overwork yourself. Underwork yourself. Your health matters far more than your boss's profit does. Underwork, everybody. Underwork. Underdeliver. Don't do those extra tasks at work for free. Make them pay you. Make them give you time off if you do it. <laughs> None of these favors for the corpos. <laughs> Bye.